Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. I'm honoured to be speaking to one of the underappreciated legends, I think, of New Zealand film and television. He's been in Sons of Anarchy, Lord of the Rings, Eagles vs. Shark, Shortland Street, and heaps of other stuff as well. Joel Tobik, nice to finally hey. talk to you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thank you for inviting me on. It's uh, great to be here. I, I appreciate being the unappreciated legend <laughs> of New Zealand screen. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I feel you are. A lot of people know who you are, but I, mm. I, I don't feel you get enough props for all the stuff you've done. I was Thanks. actually. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sorry, I, I mean, I've been around a long time. You know, I started when I was a kid, so I, I've been doing this since I was young. But, uh, and I, I guess, you know, people just say to me, Hey, Matt, what have I seen you in? And it's like, well, I don't want to list off everything I've done because it'll seem, A, really arrogant and B, really boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so how's everything going at the moment with COVID-19? I mean, because do you have much work at the moment, given the circumstances? Um, after the first lockdown, I, well, prior to the first lockdown, I was in the middle of shooting a new series, um, which we uh, then picked up after the first lockdown. So I've been up until... July, I was working pretty much all the time. Uh, we had that, obviously, the seven weeks of lockdown, and then we finished the project in July. And I'm, luckily, I do the Bunnings voiceovers on TV and radio, so that's been keeping me going as well. So, But since July, really, I've had no acting work. I'm, I was up for a big role in an American show shooting here, but that went to an international at the last minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Luckily, I have my voiceover work and I have, uh, you know, plenty of work working for a friend of mine who's a builder if I wanted it, which I'm going to do some more next week. So it's been pretty quiet. Uh, my next project's probably in November but at this stage. But in the meantime, yeah, it's not much happening. <laughs> um, me and my partner just binge watched uh, One Lane Bridge on Monday. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was good. She wanted me to specifically... She wanted me to specifically ask you when season two is coming out, but we're I, due to start that next year in February. So yeah, yeah. to shoot that. So uh, I was at the moment, I'd love it to be a bit earlier, but they've got to write it. So of course, of course. So February so, next year. So how long were you? So did you do the whole shoot in Queenstown? I take it. Yeah, it was all Queenstown. Yeah. 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 So how long we're, were you based based there for? Four months. Four months. Oh yeah. yeah. Quite a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got home every now and again to see the family and uh, I got a week off here and there. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty much full-time down there. It was a great place to be. Yeah, mm. yeah, I imagine so. Beautiful. I mean, you can't beat um, the beauty of Queenstown, for sure. No, man, look, when you fly over the Southern Alps it's just, and you look back across the Southern Alps on, from the plane and you just see how how vast they are and how how long they are and, and massive and un, unattainable, unaccessible. You just, it's just, you just, you know, you're in awe of what mother nature can do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I suppose one of the perks of your job is you get to travel quite a bit. Mm, yeah. 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 I, I do. I do love traveling. I, I don't do enough touristy things because when I'm away and, and I've kind of been regretting it a bit lately because I've spent so much time in America, but I've never really seen a lot of America like, I didn't really go on road trips because I was all too busy, A, trying to find work and uh, hunkering down, you know, uh, to try and save money. But also when I was working, I hadn't, didn't have any time. Uh, that said, I got to see a lot of 
Los Angeles and a lot of Miami and a lot of all the places I was working in, I got to see a lot of, but mm. I never did the, the touristy things. And, and uh, I spent a lot of time in Australia and I know Victoria and Melbourne pretty much back to front and I know Sydney pretty well, but um, the, the job is, it's a perk of the job is getting to travel. And I love working with uh, actors from other countries. I'm particularly, I'm missing Australia a lot at the moment because I love working over there. I love the people and I've made, made great lifelong friends there and I, you know, working in different territories and the challenge for me is always trying to conquer that new territory, a getting my face out there, but B I've got to learn a, to work w- with a different accent, you know, because it's Australia, I yeah, have to have an Australian accent in America. Yeah. I have to be, try and get a, a, a pretty good American accent happening because the Americans will think, well, where is this guy from? If, he, if the <laughs> accent's a bit off, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, presents its own challenges, but and I love traveling and meeting new people. So, yeah, it's, it's a great perk of the job. So, when you're learning a new accent, I suppose, do you have a vocal coach that kind of helps you out? I have done. Um, ironically, uh, whenever I do American stuff here, I tend to. I've had a. I've had a an American dialogue coach, but in America, they were like, "Well, your accent's great." So, so it's weird. Really? Yeah. You did a um, you did a, you did a really good job of the the Irish accent laddie when you were yeah, in Sons of Anarchy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, look, I yeah I remember being in a read through for the show. I was in one of the episodes, probably my first one where I spoke, and I did the and it was a full room with all the guys from Sons of Anarchy and one, Mark Boone, the big hairy guy, I knew already because we'd worked together. But everyone else, I was like, God, this is a, a, an established show. It was one of my first gigs in America. And I was going, oh, God, I've got to pull out this fucking Australian accent. Sorry, I can't swear. Yeah, you can I've got to, you can okay. I've got to pull yeah. out this Irish accent in front of all these people. And and one of the lead women who's now in Ray Donovan is Irish, Paula, Paula Han, I've got the name. And I was like, so I did it. I was like, okay, Joel, just, you know, harden up, do, the, do your job. And the Irish actor came up to me afterwards and said, um, are you okay with your accent? And I said, well, I don't know. Is it all right? And she went, it's really good. She said, it's, it's really good, really good. So that kind of gave me a boost and uh-huh. um, hopefully it transcended into my final performance. But um, to have Paula, who was Irish, say, yeah, your accent's really good, that really helped me. Yeah, I imagine so. You know, watching it back now, I, I can pick up moments where I was like, oh, my accent was a bit dodgy there. But I always do that. I always pick up my dodgy Australian accent from time to time, or my dodgy American accent. So I think that's creative people, though. We critique everything yeah. of, of everything we do, right? I know. So why are we in a business where we constantly are unhappy with what we're doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you watch it? Do you watch your own films, or um, do you watch a series back and see yourself? Or are you occasionally? Fringe? Yeah. Like I, I watched like One Lane Bridge, obviously, because I was very proud of it. But I haven't seen Luminaries, so uh, because was such a long time ago and I loved doing luminaries and we had a great time and it was a great challenge. Another accent I had to perfect, um, German, but I just, I haven't got around to watching it yet. Mm. Um, other things, there's stuff in Australia I haven't watched. Uh, I did a Netflix show a couple of years ago. Haven't seen it yet. <laughs> really? You know? Yeah. Do you just, watch it? On, I mean, do you watch it on your own or with the family? <laughs> I might watch my bits later on. Yeah. Um, apparently the show is really good. Secret City too. Apparently people love it, but I just haven't got around to putting my, an effort into watching it. So yeah, yeah. 
I think I've mm. read in interviews that you're you're not too much of a fan of the Hollywood system in terms of what's required. No. Yeah. Is it no, because not. It, is it because of the superficial nature of Hollywood, or is it just because you have to you have to kiss a lot of ass? Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty down to earth as a person, and I have my mother, who was an actor, to thank for that, and my, of course, my immediate family. My wife won't take any crap either. So, you know, I had to learn from a very early age that people don't like bullshit, especially yeah. when I started. There wasn't much of a television industry, and in mm. fact, when I started acting. I was just hoping for a long career in theatre because that's basically all we had before Shortland Street, before, you know, uh, Outrageous Fortune, before any of that. There was probably one show being made on TV called Hanlon, and you may not remember that. Uh, my mum was in it. It was Hanlon, and there was a show called Radio with Radio Waves, and there was another show after Hanlon called, uh, oh, God, Michael Hurst was in it. But literally there was nothing being made on TV. So... I had to learn very early on that it was going to be no money, hardly any work, and be prepared to scrape a living together some other way because this acting thing wasn't going to do that. And then uh, luckily things started to open up for New Zealand actors um, through Hercules and Xena. The American agents came down and started paying us attention. And then Timuera obviously got to the, um, Once Warriors and that launched mm. the New Zealand thing in America. And so we both had the same agent, agent in the States because he just loved New Zealand. So we suddenly realized we could all go overseas and try and make it. And, uh, but I, I was just not one of those people who was going to suddenly play the game. Uh, other actors I know do play the game and they go to Hollywood and do, go to all the parties and, and do all the press and the thing. But, but see, I was in my early 30s when I first went to America. Mm. I've been doing it since I was a kid. So I knew the crap uh, from a very early age. I, I had a wife and children here. So I didn't want to do the, the bullshit, you know, yeah, yeah. it's just not me as a person. That's fair enough. I went to a few parties and met some famous people, but I, I just, I refused to be a kiss ass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, I, Hey, I highly respect that. With Thanks. that being said, <laughs> I mean, you've kind of had your little bits of Hollywood brought to you anyway. I mean, I, I actually only figured it out maybe a couple of weeks ago that you were in Lord of the Rings. I was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going through your filmography and I saw you were in Lord yeah. of the Rings and I was thinking, Lord of the Rings, what does he do? Where, where is he in Lord of the Rings? You're, you're yeah. the orc at the pirate ship, right? With a skull on his head. Yeah. 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 So yeah. did you, when you, when you did Lord of the Rings, did you, were you aware of what you were a part of? Cause I can't even remember if fellowship of the ring had been released by the time you were filming that scene. <laughs> Well, listen, um, when I was called in to do Lord of the Rings, it was when they were doing pickups for the third movie. So right. this is like five, six years after the first movie was made. Okay. Um, so obviously I knew the impact that uh, Lord of the Rings had. I was a little reluctant at first to do it um, because I was a bit, cause I'd done a lot of prosthetic work before on mm -hmm. Hercules and Xena and other shows that, that, that um, Pacific Renaissance had made. So I was a bit like, oh, do I really want to do prosthetic makeup? But then I went, hang on, hang on, Joel, come on. It's Lord of the Rings. It's mm. Peter Jackson. You know, it's um, the, the biggest trilogy since whatever. Just get over yourself. So I did it. 
had a great time, uh, learned a lot. Um, it was hard work and from my little time on there because of the prosthetic work. I was up, I'd have to get up at midnight, be in, uh, be in the chair at 1am and ready to shoot at 7am. So it wasn't oh, wow. an easy, yeah. But I forever have. Now who can say that they have their own bust of themselves? Oh, and, that's um, awesome. This was made for me by Richard Taylor. Really? And... You know, he just he presented this with me after I'd finished. So, you know, say no more. <laughs> yeah. So, how, how many days' work was it when you were on when you were doing that? Um, Probably two weeks. Oh yeah. All up. Yeah. Did you did yeah. you actually have much interaction with Peter Jackson, or was it a second unit directing it? Um, Fran, his wife, directed some. Peter directed some, uh, but not necessarily in the room. He was on another location, so he'd be calling right. it in over the internet. Mm. Um, but it was mostly Fran and yeah. So yeah, it was fun. And I got to meet some awesome people that are again, lifelong friends, you know, it's yeah. the nature of this business, you know, cause we've all been through it together. Yeah. And, and you're part of a pretty, uh, massive time, I suppose, in film history, at least in New Zealand, because oh, it's kind totally. of a before and after with that trilogy. I mean, in terms of tourism and even, I suppose the film industry, yeah. did it create, yeah. Massive opportunities, I suppose, for actors. Um, uh, uh, maybe not d directly, but certainly what it did do it, it uh, told the rest of the world. And I've been saying this for years, and I'll keep saying it: that we can actually do the job down here. Mm. So you know, I, I do interviews, and people say, "Isn't it amazing that New Zealand's getting on the map?" And we can, and I, and I say to them, "But listen, we've been on the map for twenty-five years. You know, we've been making this these great things for so long now." So the whole thing of isn't New Zealand lucky or isn't it amazing that New Zealand's in the in the spotlight? No, 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 no. We've been capable for a long time. Yeah. Um, it's it's just that they we still have the whole uh, sort of little brother syndrome going on, whereas I feel like we should, and we are doing it more and more, we should start appreciating that we are actually, we can match it with the big boys because they keep coming back. Well, I think there's a lot of areas where New Zealand's, uh, New Zealand are kind of the underdogs. But we always rise yeah. to the occasion. I mean, obviously, totally. the all, all Blacks, you know, yeah, best sports team in the world. Um, obviously, yep. film, Weta, um, and even yep. with MMA now, with people like Israel Adesanya. So, like, there's yep. a lot. And of, we have one of the one of the best defensive NBA players ever in the yeah, NBA, yeah, yeah. Stephen but, Adams. You know, yeah, that's so. right. That's right. Yeah, you're totally right. But yeah, then, uh, I mean, we, sorry, sorry, what go were you going to say? Oh no, we can hold it with. I can. We can match it with anybody because we have a great work ethic for a start. Mm. Um, we're nice people, you know. They, everyone says Kiwis are so nice. You know, we are. We're yeah. nice people. We 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 are. What will it take to get the job done? And that's our motto. Um, whereas other countries uh, may have union issues. Like we're because we're very good at helping each other out over here. You know, the lighting guys will help the sound guys when they can. And blah, blah. But in America, it's all unionized. So the lighting guy won't oh, pick up the bag for the makeup department because right. yeah, yeah. if they drop it or they hurt themselves, they're not insured. Whereas we go, you need some help. And I'm carrying bags for the makeup girls all the time just because yeah. they've got heavy bags, you know. <laughs> our nature. Yeah, yeah. Would you, would you ever do, I mean, because I know you've done Eagle versus Shark with Taika and Taika's obviously mm -hmm. a big, big deal now and he's he's doing this Marvel stuff and he's working on a Star Wars. Yeah. And I know you're in contact with him. So if he reached out to you and was like, hey, do you want to be part of Star Wars? 
Oh my god, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Oh, okay, of course. Yeah, yeah. Not only is it Star Wars, but I, you know, to work with Tiger again would be great. Yeah, so much fun to work with. Because what what is um, special about him in terms of the way he directs compared to others that you've worked under? Well, he, uh, I can only speak from my time with him on Eagle vs. Shark, obviously, but he goes, he's very good at nurturing what you can bring to the party. Mm. He's not a standover director. He's not a, no, this is my vision and my way. He's one of the bros, He's you know, and he makes you feel like one of the family. Like we hung out socially a lot during uh, Eagle vs. Shark, um, and he's very good at just bringing your thing out. And uh, like I used to improvise on Eagle vs. Shark, a lot of it never made it because I'd, I'd be cracking up laughing or Tyke would be laughing behind the monitor. Yeah, but yeah. he encouraged it, you know. Yeah. He said to me, oh, we can't use that. But I said, why, why, why? It was really funny. He said, no, but you were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, he, he's, he, we spent a lot of time together in LA when Eagle vs. Shark sort of was coming out and they were just getting into making um, the first flight of the Concords. Mm. So Tyker and I hung out a lot together and socialised in LA and he's a lot of fun to be around, a lot of fun. He makes me laugh a lot. Yeah. Did, did you ever anticipate he'd end up on the pedestal that he is now? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I so mean, he's got that. that thing, and 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 he brings a. It's a good mix of talent and the Kiwi attitude, and the Kiwi dry humour. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and even in uh, his um, Thor movie that he did, he still put in a lot of Kiwi humour, and even with the totally. character, he, you know, with playing Korg, you know. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Oh, That's he funny. was he was the funniest part of the film. I thought, hey. Yeah. 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 His, his character. Uh, it, and then he can do great, you know, do straight stuff like um, the Mandalorian stuff and, you know, there's a little less Kiwi humour in there, I think. But um, what he's good at is just going, this is my thing. Do you like it? If not, okay, well, sorry, but this is my thing. Do you like it? You yeah, know, yeah. He's That's very cool. good at that. And you've, yeah. you've, you've done a bit of work recently. You probably probably can't talk about it too much. Avatar 2. Yeah, did some Avatar last year. It was over a year ago now, which is, I was thinking about that the other day. It was a long time ago. Um, yeah, did a few weeks there, and that was a massive, massive machine. I mean, crazy. It's going yeah, to be huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it, it seems like it's taking forever to come out because there's so yeah, much involved, uh, I think. Yep, it's uh, and, he, and he's very, very particular about what he wants. He, You know, if, he, if one shot... Uh, isn't going to work. He'll make it work, and if it takes two days, it'll take two days. You know, mm. and that's just how he works. He's got great vision. Um, he knows what he wants, and he's pre- prepared like nobody I've ever met. Right down to you know the beads on this bracelet. No, 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 no I didn't want those ones. I want these ones. Remember when she had the meeting about it? And he's that kind of guy. Oh, so, really? Perfectionist. Yeah, he's, oh, absolutely. He's over everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's yeah. good. Well, I mean, you look at his track record, and it speaks for itself, right? Yeah, and there's you know you go to work and there's you look on the call sheet and catering for three hundred people. Okay, and there's three hundred people working today. Yeah, yeah. Is Crew, there yeah. is there any um, like when when you're shooting a blockbuster, yeah. does it feel completely different to an indie film, or can they sometimes overlap? In some uh, ways? it does feel different, obviously, because you can. It just feels like there's more money on a big blockbuster, so. Um, you know, you go to work and 
you're getting breakfast and you see 200 other people who are working that day and you go, well, yeah, this is a big block of buster. And, mm. they're, you know, they're not just extras. Um, and, of course, you know, the scale of the sets and the scale of time and the, the, the management of time is different. In an independent movie, you really have very little time because it costs too much. You know, every time you turn the camera over, it costs a lot of money. Yeah. So, um, you know, my time on Lord of the Rings and Mortal Engines and Avatar, you just go, yeah, there's a lot of money here. But, yeah. But um, the, the – and even in my stuff in America, the TV in America, I did, you go, yeah, well, they've got a lot more money because they're taking more time and, you know, we're, they're flying us first class and blah, 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 blah. Um, but the essence and the organic nature of filmmaking is the same, especially in New Zealand. That's I've good. Noticed. Yeah, because, you know, in, in New Zealand, I've worked predominantly with New Zealand crews, even on the big blockbusters. And we all look at each other going, can you believe what's happening? You know, it's yeah. major and we all just get the job done. So do you have a specific moment that you were kind of pinching yourself and, or a particular? Yeah, moment? I was uh, all the time, but um, one particular moment was last year. We had the big read through for avatar and I'm looking around and I'm going, Oh God, there's Giovanni Rabisi. Okay. And there's, um, there's uh nurse Jackie. Uh, what's her name? What's her name? Sigourney Weaver. Oh. Sigourney the, Weaver? The, yeah. Oh, no, there's Sigourney Weaver. Um, I've forgotten names. She was in Sopranos. My God, my brain. Um, and she was really lovely. Oh, shit. Um, but, yeah, you go, there's Sigourney Weaver. And then we had lunch uh, on uh, set on Avatar, and I'm sitting there with some some of the stunties, and there's Sigourney Weaver having lunch with us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, she's tall, isn't she? Very she's tall. very tall. And she's yeah. lovely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Love it. I feel terrible. I've forgotten her name. Nurse Jackie. Um, Sopranos. Oh, my God. Anyway, she was really cool. So but you look around the room and you go, they've done this. He was in that. James Cameron's directed that. Mm. Sigourney's been in everything I've seen as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Alien, you know, and it's you do pinch yourself, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you've also, you went through a period where you're typecast as a, as a villain quite a bit, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, uh, I would yeah. think, I would think that a villain would be a better role to play than a hero, though, because you have more room to do more. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was. People would say to me, "You're typecast all the time," and I was like, "Yeah, well, it's work." You know, I mean, I, I've never had a problem with it. Mm. Um, you know, if that's my thing, that's my thing. Um, and it is a lot of fun. You get to have a lot of fun being the bad guy or being the crazy god or being the the drugged out dude or the drunk guy or assassin. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you have a lot of fun because you, you, there are no rules. And, you know, I like to try and push the limits when I work and my performance and see what I can get away with and what I can't get away with. Um, and, you know, I think that's what people like. They know, they know that I will bring it all. And if you want to tone it down, we'll tone it down. You know what I mean? So that yep. was when I was younger, particularly, um, I was the guy they knew could act crazy. Yeah. How do yeah. you bring that out of you, though? Or do you have a hidden bit of crazy in you? Deep down Possibly. somewhere? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I always say uh, I'm just a conduit for, for whatever comes in. I'm the, I leave myself open to the universe, the world, the, the ethos, whatever, the acting gods, and they deliver my performance for me, and I just perform it. 
I've always said that. I don't know where it comes from. Yeah. Um, and I just, I've learned to trust that. Yeah. So that's how, that's my thing. And this is what I try and pass on to my students when I teach is that just trust whatever comes in, comes in, you know? Yeah. So when you do, yeah, when, you're res- when, when you're researching a role, what's yeah. your, um, how do you go about researching it? And do you, do you do method acting or, or not so much? I don't ever research in the sense of, I don't sit down and build a character from on a, in a notebook. I will go, okay, so what do you, what does this character need or what is what am I getting from the script? And that's what I, I take a lot from what I get from the script. Mm. And like I said, I try and push everything to a point where I can get away with stuff. So what directors and casting people will see is, oh, that's a different idea. Well, that's a different take on that. And, that's, and so I, I work that way. I try and I really trust my delivery and I work on um, expanding that way. And when you do a show uh, over a period of time, like a show I did in, in Australia for six years, we all knew the characters by the second season really well. So we just expand on that. Mm. And then the writers will write accordingly because they know the characters as well. So I don't particularly, I don't research. I don't, that's just not my thing. I mean, a lot of actors do and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I just really trust what comes in, comes in, you know. Yeah, yeah. And do you have a particular role, I suppose, that was really, really hard? Uh, I'd imagine um, yeah. any type of emotional scenes would be the hardest. Hard as in it's the most exhausting, yeah. And yeah. you've really got to be genuine. Um, uh, I've done emotional scenes recently and I've had to really go into dark places. Uh, and it's not fun, but it's the only way I can get there because I want it to be genuine. I don't want it to be... Uh, crappy acting so yeah um, i think i I I watched uh an interview with michael kane and he said once when he wants to cry he there's a specific memory that he always goes back to and no one knows that memory not even his his wife and that's how he taps into it mine is yeah mine mine's similar i just go somewhere where i don't want to go ever again but i have to go there to get it happening and then i try and uh, I used to, when my mother was alive, I'd go and talk to, she was a Buddhist, so I'd go and talk to her um, teachers at the Buddhist Centre oh, and just wow. get a bit of clearance because it can mess you up a little bit what, yeah, where yeah. you go. you know. Luckily, I don't have to do that a lot, um, go to, into dark places, but I've had to before, yeah. Mm. Then it gets acting gets really hard when the last theatre show I did, uh, Mr. Burns in Auckland and uh, Ollie was, Oliver Driver, the director, was saying to me literally two days before we opened, Joel, you haven't got this yet. <laughs> so, you know, you have to, you have to find it. We, yeah. we open on on Friday night, you have to find it. Mm. So that was difficult. Luckily, uh, Oliver did one movement. He spread his arms wide and did that. And he said, the character is this. And that's all it took, and I got it. Well, that's good. uh, I suppose that sometimes it's the most simplest thing, right? Absolutely. I was just not trusting myself. Mm. You know, it had been a long time since I'd done theatre. I had just, you know, I hadn't tapped into it yet, and it was a circuit breaker. He did one movement, and it was there. Are you are you able to separate yourself from a role like after it's done, or does it take you a while to kind of? break free of the character no i'm I, i'm pretty good at leaving it at the door that's and, good you know five, five o'clock sign out go home 
Um, there's a little residue uh, depending on the role. I've just done um, a show called Black Hands about the David Bain, uh, the Bain family murders. Oh, wow. And I was playing the father in that. So, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there, which uh, I think stuck with me a little bit afterwards, Mm. uh, subconsciously, um, I think. And we had a lot of, uh, we had a a Māori representative who would come in and bless the, the set each week. Bless the bless the the project. Bless the memory of the family, and so yeah, it was quite intense. Mm. How's your memory? Do you have a very good memory, photographic memory? I was asking David about this and how he memorizes yeah. scripts. Yeah, I uh-huh. I hate learning lines, but I do learn them because I I'm just like that. But I find I learn them quicker when I'm either rehearsing the scene or or. Uh, you know, we're rehearsing the scene. Once we start putting movement to the dialogue, ah, oh, right, yeah, yeah. That's when I when I when I learn it quicker. Uh, for Mr. Burns, I had a lot of dialogue, and I was I got the script. And I was like, how the hell am I going to learn this? But you know, you run the scene and you block it, rehearse it with the script in hand, and then eventually, this you don't need the script, and it all starts falling into place. Yeah. Because what's the time from you getting a script to rehearsing, and then obviously, well, Mr. Act, acting, Mi- acting the scene, yeah. Up. Mr. Burns, I was a last minute ringing, so I got the script a week before rehearsal started. So that's that's very rare, but usually oh you gosh. have a good, um, you know, maybe a month before you start. So you get the scripts and then you do all your wardrobe calls and your makeup calls and your wardrobe tests. And then uh, if you're lucky enough to get a rehearsal period, that's when you start nailing it down. But uh, I quite like the danger of not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Until, until we start shooting, yeah. Because like do, do, do you get opportunities to ad-lib? I mean, besides your time with Taika, how are, how are most directors in terms of ad-libbing or slightly altering the, the lines? Yeah. You, uh, in America, they're good at, really good at, like for, I remember the first, when I did a, sh- a thing called uh, Without a Trace, the producer of the show, Jonathan Kaplan, was the director. And I was like, God, this is the big, the big cheese. He was directing it. Mm. And he said to me, Hey, Joel, you know, I don't like that line. What do you want to say? And I was like, excuse me, what, what, <laughs> I, what, what do I, what do I want to say? What? And he said, yeah, what do you want to say? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Cause I was just so unused to that. Yeah. Yeah. Being, being given permission, but that's, uh, in America, that's how they work a lot. Uh, um, they'll say, Oh, let's just change that line, dude. Yeah. Just change that. Uh, but cause I was, not brought up that way, I tend to, the challenge for me is to make whatever the dialogue is work. Mm. And that's, that's just a little private challenge I have. Um, there are times where I change, I'll say to the, on one lane bridge, there's a couple of times the director, I say, oh, that, that line just doesn't feel right. Can I just ch- say this instead? And they'll be like, yeah, sure. But I don't do that a lot. Because mm. it's my little private challenge, personal challenge to make the, the dialogue work. So how was that when you worked with Taika then? Because I imagine, I think I read with Thor, 70% of it was ad-libbed or something. something Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was, from memory, it was a long time ago. Um, He's pretty open, yeah. Yeah. He's not not a real stickler for, no, no, I've written these words and you say them. It's a little different, I guess, if the dialogue is really crucial to the flow of the story or the, you know, if it was a big courtroom drama and all the facts had to be as per written, because otherwise you'd lose the the plot. 
literally. Um, when it's that situation, you have to be on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Certain playwrights, like for Pinter, for example, if you're doing a Pinter, you'd have to know the dialogue as written because it's very important to the, to the play. Hmm. And, and and you just owe it to the writer, and you owe it to the the manner of the theatre of theatre in general. So, which is for Mr. Burns, what we did too. We had to because the the dialogue was written as it was originally improvised back in the day of when they first wrote it. So all the errs, the ums, the the sighs, and the stuttering uh, dialogue was written verbatim because these actors were making it up at the time. So we had to kind of honour that, yeah, which is a great challenge in itself. Yeah, yeah, of course, because naturally when you yeah. talk, you do say um and ah uh, and as you think yeah. of the next word in your head. So yeah, like these filler words. So I suppose it does sound a bit more realistic when someone's talking that way as opposed to... Yeah, the it can sound a, a bit, if it's not done correctly, you can sound like you're saying all these ums and ahs because you're... You have to. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to make it real. That's the key, eh? Yeah. You've got to make it sound um, legit. I mean, we didn't always honour every single uh, moment like that because it's just too difficult in the, mm. with, with the flow of the piece. But we tried to do as much as we could. Yeah. Do you do you prefer working on a television series as opposed to a film? Because I'd imagine with a series, it's a bit more guaranteed income in terms of you know you've got your paycheck coming. I suppose. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a fair point. Um, you also the journey of the show is usually longer than the two hours you've you've got to fill in to a movie. Yeah. So you got a few months, a few weeks, you know. Um, so say when you were working on yeah. Shortland Street, for example, mm. I mean you would have known what you were doing for however long. How 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 long were you on on Shortland Street for? I can't even. Did a year. Yeah. So Four months. Because, I mean, obviously, I suppose for anyone, and this is kind of for me as well, on the creative arts, you're not really sure sometimes where your next check is going to come from. Like no. How are you going to put food on the table? So I suppose it's exciting, but sometimes quite it can make you quite anxious at the same time. You're the first person ever that's actually said that. I've been saying that for years. It's exciting and and terrifying all at the same time especially yeah. when you have a family and a mortgage of course of course um i hate it and love it all at the same time because i don't know what's coming up that's the exciting bit like great whatever's next and then it's yeah. like but i've got nothing coming up <laughs> you know i have nothing happening yeah. and is you know even george clooney who's a multi-millionaire says he's always worried that his last movie that he did was was his last movie he's always been terrified that he'll never work again. So that never leaves you. Yeah. And I suppose and I'm sure it's the same for all artists. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Because you never you never promise tomorrow. There's no guarantees. No. So I mean it's it makes it good in some ways because you don't get stuck in that boring, monotonous routine. I was about to say, yeah, um you know, uh I think if I was given a role that was a never-ending six-year contract, but the character was quite dull and boring and not very exciting to me, I'd be, I'd, I'd hate it. I'd rather be, you know, unemployed. Mm. Um, on one level, on another level, on my, on my, my dad, um, mortgage paying, 
responsibility level, I'd probably go, well, it's six years of work. But um, creatively, if it wasn't a very exciting role for six years, I'd, I'd do my head in. Whereas I, what I loved about Shorten Street was he was quite a fun, light, funny character. And I, I did my thing and uh, they liked it. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I, it's got a, it's still got a, it's got to, it's got to give me that charge, you know, each role. Yeah, yeah. What's the longest mm. you've gone with not knowing when your next project is? Probably uh, maybe a year, a few a years year? ago. About wow. eight to nine months, maybe. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? I've doing? been working. Oh, I was working for my friend who's a builder, so I was oh, yeah. labouring. Um, I think I saw Tamir Morrison did that recently too. He was working. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was doing some work in Cambridge, I think, for one of his friends owns a construction right. business. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it's uh, it's it's really hard work, and I you, you come away with an appreciation for the the people who do those skilled jobs. Um, I've learned a lot. Ask me five years ago how to how to you know uh, put up weatherboards. I would have looked at you like, what, what's a weatherboard? But now I know, you know, now I can co- I can comprehend building stuff. Um, it's it's not as foreign to me, and I'm learning stuff, and I do stuff around my house, and and you can build a voiceover fact, studio now. I can build a voiceover studio. I need someone to guide me, which uh, my friend Hayden is the one who sort of oversaw it because he's the qualified builder. But you know, um, I, I, yeah, it's not as foreign to me anymore, and I'm learning heaps. So that's cool. Oh, yeah, and I suppose with an actor, if you are researching specific roles, and I know some actors, you know, they'll research a particular field. If their character, yeah, like say if, Listen, if if your actor was, uh, I mean, if your character was, I don't know, a builder or a psychologist or something, you'd probably end up researching that particular yeah. field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, if I need to play a builder from now on, I kind of have a, a good idea of what it's like because mm. I've done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you certainly have an appreciation for that's that's that skill uh, on you know not just builders, plumbers, electricians. All those guys, roofers. I mean, it's very skilled stuff. Well, they're critical workers. I mean, I, absolutely. I, it's something that I've become more aware of. I think due to lockdown and everything. You know, when when the whole world stopped. Mm. You know, we tend to put um, particular people on pedestals, like actors and celebrities, yeah. musicians, and so forth. And you think yeah. about during lockdown, it was the critical workers from someone stocking <laughs> shelves at the supermarket. Yeah, they're they're the, they're the people that we needed most. I was all always during lockdown, particularly. I was a bit like, why are these celebrities speaking out about this? I, mean, I don't know if they want to. You know, their their intentions were to give support to the critical workers, which is great. My thing was, do these critical workers who are on the front lines every day really care what <laughs> that some actor in America is saying? Come on, support the critical workers. They just they just want more PPE gear. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they yeah. Want, And they're tired. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm always a little bit cynical about this stuff. I have done, that said, I have done in the past sort of rallying the troops sort of, sort of stuff for charities and stuff, which is, I think is great. But, you know, I'm a little reluctant to be the celebrity who's fronting for a cause, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I think there's a bit of a disconnect there. I remember when uh, yeah. Ricky Gervais um, hosted the Golden Globes, you know, and he was roasting the, the actors. So you know, he's like, come up, accept your award, don't. Just, off. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's oh, I was in America when that when that was going to, went to air. I was just watching it live, and I was like, yeah. "Good on him," because I thought, "Hey, chill out. He's just having a bit of fun." But yeah. you know, you had some of the actors getting up there saying, "Ricky, you're being really mean to us," and I was like, "Oh, bugger off! You're a multi-millionaire, yeah, who's never out of work, and this comedian is taking the piss out of you." People watching, there are people around the world watching now who don't have know a third of the money that you'll earn in their life they live in shit housing life's tough get over it you know yeah i mean i i don't know about you but um from all your travels but i know from every time i've traveled overseas and seen other countries i end up appreciating new zealand more because i think there's a lot that we take for granted totally yeah i always come home and go you know it's actually not that bad here we have our issues and we have things we need to work out but really you know and the amount of time i've been away when people have said to me i you know we really admire you kiwis what you you're doing socially economically politically you know they have mm. a lot of time for us down so yeah you come back and really i'm really grateful that i live here and i'm from here and you know being a kiwi uh i, I feel connected to this country uh, through my gut, you know, I'm connected through my soul here. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if a lot of countries can say that. A lot of people in other countries can say that about their country, but I always I feel very connected to this country. You know, so. do you get homesick if you're away for too long? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember when I first started going to Australia to work. Uh, this is before we had. Um, Sky recorders and I'd say to my dad please can you record all the rugby games on here's a pile of videos please put all the rugby games on here and send them over to me because I really missed my thing was but if I go to Aussie for six months I'm going to miss the super rugby (laughs) so so, yeah I was always like if I could if I couldn't watch an All Blacks test when I was in LA I was just mortified and I remember going I found a pub in somewhere in the valley in Los Angeles that was playing the All Blacks versus South Africa at three in the morning over there. And I literally got up at 1am, drove to this bar in the middle of nowhere to watch the All Blacks because <laughs> I couldn't miss it. Were a lot of your American colleagues like, well, what are you doing? Like, what's yeah, my- yeah, well, they, yeah, some of them are, yeah. Uh, they, they're more aware of the game now, but they were like, yeah, why is this guy going after to watch rugby? The All Blacks. But even though even though Americans can speak the la- same language, there is a very much a cultural difference between Kiwis and Americans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, Did, I'd have to explain myself a lot more to some Americans just with my humour, and 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 we talk quite fast over there for, for them. Like if I was ordering yeah. coffee, I'd always have to say, "Can I have a coffee to go?" Because if I said, "Can I, can I have a coffee to take away?" They're like, "What? What?" <laughs> so, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we tend to speak very quickly. Yeah, I've I've been told that as well uh, from a couple of Americans that I talked to. Yeah, um, did you get asked a lot about your accent? Like, where are you from? I got yeah. that a bit when I was in America. Yeah, they but all was, thought I was Australian. But that was after because I went there well after Lord of the Rings had come out, and so right. I'd tell them I'm from New Zealand, and they'd immediately reference Lord okay. of the Rings. They'd be like, "Oh, right, Lord of the Rings. Do you know Peter yeah. Jackson?" I'm like, "Well, I don't know yeah, him." Right. Yeah, but. yeah, they all think we know each other. Um, yeah. One guy said to me on a TV show once, oh, hey, I hear you're from 
New Zealand. Uh, where are you from? Sydney? I was like, what? <laughs> I said, no, no, that's Australia. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a couple of Americans that thought New Zealand was part of Europe. I'm like, ah, no. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, Way it's back, back, in the, back in the 80s when I used to go to the States, my grandmother lived there. They'd always think we're a part of Sweden or England. It's funny, eh? Yeah. Weird. But I think, I think as time's gone on, obviously, has the world has um, become more connected, I suppose, yeah. economically and through um, technology. I think yep. people are a bit more aware now. Yeah, and we're creating great art and, uh, you know, people making great inroads in, in, in health and technology all from down here. And, yeah, know, so yeah. Music, our music scene is really appreciated now overseas and, you know, hell, you know, it's good. Yeah, and I think even through COVID, I mean, we're kind of getting a lot of yep. um, attention, media attention yep. overseas. Yeah. Um, just due to our response compared to yep. other mm -hmm. countries. It's funny. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure if you use Reddit a lot. It's a social media platform, Reddit. No, I haven't no, not really. So um there's a subreddit called World News and it's usually mm. where I go to kind of just get the gist of what's happening around the world um yeah. without having to sift through multiple websites. And right. it's amazing over the last couple of years how often New Zealand's featured on there, Jacinda in particular. She's mm -hmm. always she's always on there. Yeah. She's um yeah, well, well respected. Did you ever see, I know Stephen Colbert, he came here, he did like a little tourism right. thing here. Yeah, he did. Yeah, mm. to, promote, to promote New Zealand. Yeah. Because um, does, does tourism and film, do you think, intertwine a lot? Yeah, I believe so, because the, uh, One Lane Bridge in particular has just been sold to Sundance and somewhere else. And of course... They're part of the reason is they're saying because I mean look at the scenery. Mm. <laughs> so, and we had a lot of um, input from uh, tourism Queenstown and the, and the South Island, and so yeah, they they bank on the fact that we're making uh, these shows in beautiful countries as well and beautiful scenery. So it's yeah. all goes hand in hand. Yeah. Well, because New Zealand always doubles for another for another um, country or a city usually. I think. Yep. So they used Queenstown and Mission Impossible, I think, to double for Kashmir. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. in Mulan, they shot um, part of it here as well. I think. Uh, yes, they did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in South Island. Have you yep. have you been to that um, new QMU studio at West Auckland? Uh, well, uh, have you done probably, any film, film work there? Uh, well, is it new or is because there's well, so I don't know many? How, well, it's probably, yeah, there are a lot of studios. But I think, I know they did the Meg there. They shot yep. the egg there because um, they have a big water, kind of these massive water tanks where they shoot there. And I think the I think, Lord of the Rings, I think, is... Yeah, I did a movie well. years ago called um, 30 Days of Night, and I think we shot out there in the studio. It was massive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you have any, do you have any particular places in New Zealand you like to film? We always like, oh, yeah. I suppose close to home, close to close Cambridge, Waikato. Um, I love... Absolutely, I love Auckland because I'm from there, and I and I grew up there, so I get to go up and work in Auckland back in my, you know, in the hood. So <laughs> I do, I do love Auckland. Uh, yeah, Queenstown's amazing. I mean, geez, it's beautiful. You know, you, can, you never get sick of that scenery. Uh, yeah, it, I was meant to go the, last Wednesday, right? But, um, but then the, the lockdown thing happened, and I could have gone, but. 
I thought it was pretty risky because I didn't know how many cases there were and yep. if the whole country was going to go into lockdown or if they're going to cease flights, which they did because I was going to yeah. fly Jetstar. And so oh, I would have right, been stranded there. So luckily well, I got I got my money back. So I'll have to go yeah. again at some point. But then, um, yeah, and then I think the just the Monday gone, we watched One Lane Bridge, binge, yep. binge watched it, and we're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, because of the know, scenery. You- Oh, you just go up, yeah, up those into those mountains, and it's like, oh my god! I mean, I mean, it's how did this get created? It's amazing, you know. And Lake Wakatipu, and oh, just incredible, you know. And the drive out to Glenorchy—that's my favourite part. You go over. There's a certain moment on your drive out to Glenorchy. You're about half an hour in, and you come over a ridge, and you just see this painting. It's like, what? Surely that's a backdrop. Yeah, but it's real. It's just mm. incredible. Uh, Wellington, I love, um, and I uh, I've worked there a lot. I always love going to Wellington, Christchurch. I did a series there a few years after the earthquake, and I lo- I've always liked Christchurch. New Zealand's awesome. Uh, yeah, I did a film on the west coast of the South Island years ago, and I got to drive around the from all the way from Greymouth over to Christchurch through Arthur's Pass, and it's just awesome. I think it's the best way to experience the South Island is driving, just driving, driving around. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like get yeah. a camper van or something and just drive around. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's just com- completely different to the North Island, that's for sure. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. North Island's a bit more urbanized. Have you been to um any other well, sorry, I should ask, uh, is there any countries you haven't been to or done any film work in that you'd really like to do film work in? I'd love I would love to go to Italy, France, Spain. Mm. Uh, I haven't done Europe. I've I've been to England and Scotland, um, but mostly those countries. I don't really, not really desperate to go anywhere else. Um, back to the islands. We I was in Norway for something a long time ago. That was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but Europe definitely. Yeah. Can you speak any other languages besides English, or is it just just English? No, I I can pick up. You know, you spend enough time in in America, you pick up a little bit of Spanish. Oh yeah, of course um, you would too. Yeah, and in Niue, I was starting to pick up a little bit of the the lingo, what what, what was being said, rather than specific sentences. But um, not really. No, no, no. I'm not particularly talented in accents, uh, languages. Sorry. Well, you're pretty good at accents. That I definitely <laughs> do know. Is there is there <laughs> is there some accents you find difficult to do? I mean, I try and imitate accents, and there's certain ones that I'm. Yeah, I think British because oh. British has so many different variations of the accent. Yeah, uh, you know, I can go into a job and go, oh, I, I can do that accent, and then they will go, uh, actually, Joel, we'll actually get you a dialogue coach because the subtleties aren't there. Yeah. You know, we start launching into the cartoon version of the accent, which is yeah, of a course. big no-no. And as Kiwis know, when someone does a really bad Kiwi accent, it's like, well, that's not how it is. That's really offensive. Yeah. So um, I don't claim to be particularly on top of, my accent game, but uh, South African is very hard. I was in America and I was asked to audition for a movie and they said, he's South African. I was like, yeah, sure. I can do that. And thinking I was the only South African guy in LA out of all the actors that could do a South African accent. Mm. And I, of course I wasn't because I walked into the room and there were like four real South African (laughs) actors in there going, Hey man. So, you know, uh, that's always very tough. Irish is hard. Scottish, you know, doing these, doing accents well is very difficult. Well, I suppose, yeah, and David pointed on it too, not going into comical territory. Exactly. 
uh, like can you be are you uh, self-aware though when you're going into comical territory are you aware of when you know oh no no i went too far with that yeah uh it's an interesting question uh maybe i don't know i i i, I guess afterwards when i w- listen to it back or watch it back i'll go oh that was a bit obvious um i did a voiceover a while ago and i was scottish being scottish and their voiceover thinking i was nailing it but then the course of the engineer was scottish and he was like yeah it's okay but i thought i was nailing it so <laughs> his ears are w- more well trained you know yeah. So when you're working with a dialogue coach, how, they must break down the specifics, right? Do they get into the vowels and how you say the vowels? Yep. Or, yeah. Yeah. For luminaries, oh, I had to be German. So our great dialogue coach, Penny, would say uh, she'd break down each word and each syllable. and Because, again, it's about subtleties. It's not about some prat doing a German accent. It's got to sound like you're you know, born and raised in Germany. Mm. So there's lots of uh, work on particular vowels and then inflections and inflections of the word in the sentence because, you, know, um, you know, how we say, hey, bro, we can say it five different ways, you know. Yeah, we can. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So those little things are important to get on top of. And so that's when a good dialogue coach comes in uh, and, and help. You know, and with American too, Um for a long time when we were doing American accents, we would really push the R's and the, you know, what are you doing for dinner? Yeah. But Americans don't really talk that way. It's it's a little less full on than that, you know. So we had dialogue coaches come in and say, uh, you need to pull back on that. <laughs> and in a uh, uh, film I did in Australia, the dialogue coach said to me once, okay, you're, you're not going to uh, to watch baseball. You're going to watch baseball. So there's little oh, differences right. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's which I, yeah, it is fascinating. Yeah, so I was like, wow, I never thought of that. Yeah. So there's little things like that. Because you make it look so seamless. When I've watched you, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm really good at faking my my way through it. Wasn't that that's acting though, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's pretty much the job you're faking it. (laughs) Weirdly, if I when I used to audition for American voiceovers, my accent would just fall apart. Because I, I don't know why I just couldn't do it. Mm. It was I was doing you know I would end up doing a, a really terrible amateur actor doing a really bad American accent, but in front of a camera, it's a little less daunting for me. Yeah, well, I suppose you become. I'd imagine you'd be a bit more self-aware because you're in yeah. a booth, you're trapped yeah. in a booth with headphones on. Yeah, probably you're totally. limited in movement. So I can do and I can do my version of an American accent here because I'm more relaxed. Yeah. But over over there I was more nervous. So what type of voiceover work have you been doing? Uh I do the Bunnings voiceovers, everything you see on TV about Bunnings. Oh, you know, that's that's you. Oh that's okay. me. Never so I started that one about a year ago. And oh, for years, I've been doing, I did my first voiceover when I was 16. So I've been doing them a long time. Did the Kiwi Bank ones many years ago, and then Dean, Dina Gorman's doing them now. Um, everything, really. Yeah. But Bunnings is my sort of uh, bread and butter at the moment, mm-hmm. which I'm very grateful for. 
Would you ever want to do, you know, voice um, within like an animated film or a video? I've done that. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I've done yeah. a few things on a, a video game called Path of Exile. So, Oh, yes. That's a New Zealand game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've done a few I'm, I'm, of those voices. You like that? You play it? I've I've played it a couple of times. I've actually um, tried to get the the people who made it grinding grinding game grinding gears, is it grinding gears grinding game gears something like that. Yeah, yeah. I always get it mixed up because I think it's three G's in the name and I get the name mixed around. Um, but yeah, right. I, I'm trying to get them on the show, but they're a bit right. busy at the moment. But yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I played it and I know quite a few people that play it. Oh, so you do one of the voices for it? Yeah, I've done two now. I've just read for another one too. So um, I did one. And I actually did one when I was doing One Lane Bridge. Um, so uh, Aidy Walker, who's another great New Zealand actor who was in our show, she came into my – I had my voiceover booth set up in my hotel room and she mm-hmm. came in and did, did her session for three hours and then I did mine. So so with these, um, with these roles, how much of it do you go and chase and how much of it is your agent just being like, hey, I've got this opportunity for you? Majority of the time, it's the agents. I, oh, really? If I, if I hear a project that I'm, oh, I've heard about this project. Have you heard about it? They'll they'll chase it up a bit. Okay. Luckily, sometimes if I'm lucky, I'll just someone will ring me and say, "Hey, man, are you available?" So uh, it tends to happen more in Australia than New Zealand for some reason. Um, the show I did, Secret City in Australia, the director had just worked with no sorry uh, it was a show called harrow the director had just seen me in ash versus evil dead and just offered me the job straight away so oh, that's that cool. happens and that's always really you know makes it's really cool when that happens because you feel like you don't have to you don't have to audition and wait and you don't have to get approval and it's just the it's just the jobs there so yeah yeah well I, the reason why i ask is um because i you have taika's phone number i take it and you you can message him. <laughs> so, so would he, let's say hypothetically, you know, he, he's doing the star Wars movie and he wanted you to have a role in it. Yep. Would he yep. message you or would he still go through your agent? I don't know. Uh, I guess his, he would ask his, uh, producers to get in touch with my agent. There are certain avenues, I guess he would need to follow just yeah. out of ethics. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's strict protocols that, or yeah, I mean, code, I suppose, that you still follow, even if you totally, know someone on a personal would, basis. Yeah, he may even text me and say, "Hey, bro, there's a role in this movie for you," but we'll we'll get my agent to, we'll get my people to talk to your agent. That's happened. This uh, if I do this movie in November down in Wellington, my friend Lauren's making. You know, she's been in touch with me. Hey, you available? There's a great role for, for you. Yeah, you know, I'm like I'm totally available, but you got to ring my agent and do it properly. You know, so mm-hmm. otherwise your your agent would probably get annoyed. I'd imagine. <laughs> totally, yeah. and then I, I have an agreement with her that you know um, I at least have to talk to her about it. So. Yeah, yeah. Have you had the same yeah. agent like the whole time? Well, yeah. Uh, since I did my first ever gig in 1987, uh, I've had the same agent. Um, but it was originally Robert Bruce and he passed away in 2009 and then his his partner took over the business and I've been with her ever since. Okay. Yeah. I suppose that's good I, though because you build a camaraderie, I guess, with um, yeah, with, the, with, the, listen, with those people. Same yeah, crew, and same agent, you know. Luck, luckily, my profile was pretty healthy at the time of Robert's passing, so people knew who it was anyway. They knew where to find me. And it was 
if there was an audition involved, it was up to me to do a good audition. It's not up to my agent to get me, you know, the job in that sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, my American agent, who uh, when I first went over there, said to me, "Look, you're great. Uh, people will really like you, but you're not the big dick in LA like you are in New Zealand." He was a pretty straight shooter, and he said to me, "I can get you into the room. The rest is up to you." So. It's all you want to hear is honesty like that. Yeah, yeah. I suppose particularly in Hollywood where I'm, I, I imagine there's a lot of deception. So you probably there's want a lot straight of, shooters. A lot of back scratching and ass kissing and uh, you're amazing. Uh, you know, I was told a couple of times, you're the undiscovered comic genius in LA. And I was like, okay, but how many people have you said this to today? Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose you'd have a pretty good bullshit meter, right? You'd probably be able to tell when people are... Just, just um, talking crap, yeah. I imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, you hear those things and you go, wow, me? And then you think, oh, hang on, come on. Let's not get carried away. You haven't got a job yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She hasn't cast you on anything yet, so. That's interesting, yeah. though. Did you did you find it um, easy um, merging into the, the, or fusing, I suppose, with the American culture? Because I've heard that LA can be quite lonely. Very oh, it's, it's tough, man. It's really lonely, especially when you're up there trying to find work, and you are a newbie, and no one knows who you are, and you're just trying. You're going for all these, you know, guesty roles and these well-established shows, and you show up, and there's 20 other people in there going, "Hey," and that, and they're all lined up. Next, please, you know. And then you sit with all your other Kiwi actor mates, meeting up for lunch, all broke, going. Hey, I'm I'm auditioning for this new thing tomorrow, and you're going. Well, why haven't I heard about that? And so you suddenly get all that paranoia. And, oh, right, yeah, yeah. And then you have other friends of yours who are making it and making millions of dollars, and you're not, and you feel that that can. I'm always very pleased, and of course, very happy for them. But there's that element of like, you know, well, they've cracked it, and hopefully, I can. Yeah, but, but what if I can't? Because you know? how often would you second guess yourself? Because I know as a creative person, I second guess myself all the time. Even if it's just just the the minuscule yeah. thing, it just yeah. puts that seed of doubt in you. Totally, I think it's a healthy thing and a destructive thing all at the same time. Mm. Um, I've always got my self awareness button ready to press uh, because. I don't want, I'd never want to get carried away with myself. Uh, well, you seem very I grounded. Have, thank you. Well, like I said, I had a grounded and pretty straight up mother about the whole business. I, I'm surrounded by pretty straight up grounded people in my life. And I don't have the energy to be um, something I'm not. Yeah, basically. it requires too much energy. Yeah. Yeah. And I want, I, my, I, I want people to, you know, I want people to like me as a person and as an artist. Mm, mm. You know, I want to be respected for what I do, not who I am, particularly. And I, I want, say, when I work with younger actors, especially now that I'm 49 and I'm, I'm working with lots of younger people and I'm teaching, I want that experience that they have of working with someone who's been around a long time to be a good one. Yeah. He was nice. He was gracious. He, really supported me. He encouraged me. He wasn't an asshole because all the actors I look up to 
my favorite actor in the world is Hugo Weaving and he's the nicest man you'll ever meet in, in your life. There's, everyone loves him. He's a total sweetheart. So all you, my male role models were very nice, gracious men. So that must have been great then when you worked with him on Mortal Engines. Well, we had, yeah, we had worked together before that on a film called Little Fish in Australia, and that's when I first met him. And the first moment I met him, he treated me like I was an old friend. So, that's cool. And I'll never, never forget it. And he always, whenever I see him, he treats me like an old friend. And uh, I hadn't seen him for some years before we did Mortal Engines, and I was like, oh, God, don't go into his trailer and say hello. I don't want to bother him because I'm that guy. I don't want to bother him. But he, next thing I know, knock, knock, knock on, my, on my door, Hugh, come in. <laughs> he came <laughs> and he started chatting to me. How you been? What have you been up to? And yeah. That's cool. Awesome. That's very cool. And I you think... never forget that. So I'm aware that younger people who are starting out in the business, they need those good experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They definitely do. I think it always helps if your initial, um, what is it, your initial part in in the film or uh television industry is a good one totally it's easy i suppose to sustain energy and positivity as opposed to whether as opposed to if it's negative yeah i remember my my time on shortland street there was a younger actor on there and we're doing a scene where he had to get really angry and i said to him just quietly just push it bro see how far you can go with it i can only tell you to pull it back go for it Mm. just just try it you know, I was being a bit sort of like, come on, just try, just have a go. And he did. And he, and the director was like, yeah, that was awesome. And I, I said, how was that? And he said, that was great. I said, see, and that's, what, that's, that's cool. what I feel like I want to do now is push these people along. Cause that was my, my shticker was, was always how far can I push this and get away with it? You must get a sense of fulfillment, I suppose, as well. When you see a lot yeah. of younger actors doing well, I see and them, getting better and better at their craft. Yeah, totally. And it keeps us old guys on our toes because you arrive on yeah, of course. You, yeah, yeah. on set and go, God, these guys are really good. They're way better than I was at that age. Yeah. I've got to up my game, yeah. Totally. That's good. Friendly yeah. competitiveness, so to speak. Friendly competitiveness, yep. Yeah. And, you know, like I say to my students, when I teach, we're all work, walking side by side in this. We're not, I'm not ahead of you. You're not behind me. None in this class is behind anyone else. We all walk together side by side. That's the journey. That's great. I think that's a brilliant way to end it. Mm. Um, so if anyone wants to follow you on social media, funnily enough, I told I, I, I do these boys' nights every Thursday. And yeah. I, was, I was with them last night and I told them I was talking to you. And yep. and at first they were like, Joel Tobik, who's Joel Tobik? And then I showed a picture and they're like, oh, that guy. So yeah. I think a lot of people know you, but then I think they get confused with the name and they're like, the name, yeah. But obviously, yeah. as I've said, you are an underappreciated legend. Oh, thanks, brother. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, social so, media, I do, a bit of, I do a bit of Twitter and Instagram, but that's about it, really. That's about it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I don't, uh, I'm, a, I'm over Facebook. I don't really post a lot on there. Oh, it's negative. I kind of just... Oh, that's what it uh, is. I just... I follow t- Twitter because all the news is a bit immediate. So that's the yeah, only yeah. reason really. Yeah, yeah. And Instagram, you know, Instagram's more for the the fans and in inverted commas because they like <laughs> to follow. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, of course. But um, yeah. do, you, do you post your stuff like in terms of what you're working on or what you might be working on? on no, there? I don't usually because uh, we're not allowed to, uh, A, for one thing. And I, and I, 
I don't really like being the actor who's always telling everybody that they're working. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of actors who aren't. And so, oh, yeah, of course. You oh, know, I don't, yeah. I've stopped doing that. I used to do it a lot when I was in LA. Hey, here's me today. Shoot, we're shooting in LA and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I thought maybe people don't want to hear that. Yeah, I, I, I admit I kind of had that problem a little bit because I don't really like to use social media but I kind yeah. of have to use social media to market this platform. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same. So I, it's, it's, it's finding that balance. Cause you don't want to, I mean, cause uh, there's times where I go through Facebook and it's just negative post after negative post and it, it starts yeah. to affect you mentally. So um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a matter of finding the balance, but even, I mean, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I probably would never be on there to be honest. I'd be yeah. you, undercover, you know. Uh, well, my obsession is guitar. So uh, I'm obsessed with music and guitar playing and um, funk guitar in particular. So I spend more time on YouTube looking at how to play the latest funk song than I do on anything else. So that's my addiction these days. That's your stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, hey, thanks so much for doing this, Joel. I really, really appreciate awesome. it. I know you're a uh, busy man, I'm sure. No, thank you. It's been great. Anytime. Um, and I'll hopefully see you around the traps in Cambridge. Yeah, well, I do go there often to see family and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'll, I'll see you come around. Come say hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah for awesome. sure, for sure. Cool. That's the show, everyone. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe. And uh, until next time, stay safe. <laughs>